Tonight's scripture reading will be from 2 Timothy 1, 9 through 12. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Trey, some great songs. What a beautiful thought. Where he leads, I'll follow. One of my favorite songs and the message of the song. We're in a series called Leave Your Mark, and uh, we have an old school desk in our, our living area that uh, we got from uh, my father-in-law from a little old country school down in southern Oklahoma, I believe. And, uh, and you can tell people left their mark on that little desk, a lot of carving, a lot of different things on there. You probably left your mark in the world as well. It's something that people are going to see after you leave. And uh, last week, as we started the series, Randy took us through the concept of leaving a legacy, what a legacy means, and, um, and leaving a, the proper legacy. And tonight, we want to look at calling or comfort. If you're going to leave your mark in this world, a concept we need to discuss is that of calling or comfort. Raise your hand if uh, you're the kind of person who likes, a va- likes going on vacation to the same place over and over. My hand is up in the air because it's me. Likes going to the same place over and over. There's six of us, all right? Raise your hand if you're the kind of person that wants a new adventure every vacation, to go somewhere new and exciting and, and you haven't been before. Folks, those of you who raised your hand, God bless you. You get, you're going to get tonight's message. For the six of us who raised our hand earlier, this message is for us because I'm the kind of guy who likes to go to the same place. Why? Because I know what to expect. I know what's going to be there. I know what I need to take. I know what I'm going to find when I get there. Have you had to buy a mattress recently? It's been a few years for me, and I don't relish the next time we have to go. But, you know, one of the things that you try and do when you buy a mattress is find one that's comfortable for you. And the way you do that is you lay on them, and you try them out. See what feels comfortable in 30 seconds, knowing that that will probably be good for another for an eight-hour sleep. You know, I don't know how you tell. So you try it out, you test it. You pretend you're princess on the, and the pea on the mattresses and try and figure that's a play. I'm sorry, that didn't sound too well. Princess and the pea, remember the musical and the play, you know, where there's a green vegetable underneath the mattresses? Hey, I should have left that out. Didn't think that one through, did I? As a friend of mine said, with, with things like this, like mattresses, you have one of three choices. It's going to be too hard, too soft, or just right. And two out of three aren't good, and your odds are not very good on getting the right mattress. You know, that's how it is with a lot of times. We look at what's coming at us, and you think, oh, that's going to be too hard or too soft. You never think that, okay, what's this week hold for you? That's going to be just right. For, for most of us, in our pursuit of comfort, we very rarely find what we're pursuing. In our Constitution, we believe in the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, (laughs) or comfort. It is our default action at times. It's what we expect. Only we forget that those very words did not bring comfort to the men who penned them. I mean, it wasn't going to be easy. 
be very thoughtful. What is our purpose in life? What is our calling? Is it to be comfort, comfortable? So Paul talks to Timothy on this concept that I think speaks to us in a very real way. And he wanted to get Timothy ready for what was coming in Timothy's ministry as he served God. And I think in getting Timothy ready, this concept can get us ready to leave our mark in what's to come after us. And so he says this in 2 Timothy 1.6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. One of the reasons we are to remember to fan into flame our God-given abilities is we're going to need the flame. The, the flame is there for a reason, for a purpose. So how is your flame doing? Is it just embers right now? And if you were to put too much on it, it would, it would drown it out, it would smother it, and the flame would go out? Or are you on fire? I mean, the flame's burning bright right now. Or maybe the fire's cold and you're just looking for a little spark. If we're going to leave our mark on this world, we need to be ready for what is ahead. And to get ready, we need to remember what God has given us and to fan that into flame, to use what God's given us. It's not always going to be comfortable in this journey ahead of us. But the journey ahead of us with God's grace and presence in our life is always possible. It's not always going to be comfortable, but it is always possible. So we need to remember this gift. And who gave us this gift? 2 Timothy 1.7 For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I'm not for sure if Timothy struggled a little bit with timidity as he faced the foes that stood in front of him as he tried to spread the gospel. But I do know that I oftentimes feel timid and intimidated by what's in front of me. Paul says that's not the spirit to bring. We need to remember the spirit God gave, has given us. It is not the gift of timidity. I see Coach Chuck... Chuck White sitting up here. And every time I think of this passage, Chuck, I remember a time where you talked about training your, your uh, catchers in, in baseball. And what he said he would do is he would suit them up. If they were kind of a new catcher, he'd suit them up in all their protective equipment. And then he'd get right in front of them with a baseball and throw it right at their face, right at the, you know, their face mask. Because they couldn't play the position if they couldn't trust the equipment. If they were afraid, if they were frightened, if they were timid of the ball... They couldn't play the position, and they had to learn to trust their equipment. And we as Christians must learn to trust the gift God's given us, what he's done to us, so that we won't be timid. Instead, we will have the we'll have power, love, and self-discipline. We will be able to do what he has called us to do. And that gift, a part of that gift is power. It's a spirit of power. God replaces our timidity that we bring with one of power, like I see what's in front of me, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know with God's help, I'm going to do it. It's confidence to walk on. It's a boldness to step in front of whatever's in front of us, knowing that we can handle it. And for Paul, this power was inseparable from the gospel. He would say in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. We have the, the gospel. It brings salvation. And so we need to take that power and share it. And he also gives us the gift of, of love, the spirit of love. 
Accompanying that power to speak the truth must be love for the listener. And Randy, if you, you heard the message this morning, Randy speaks to that, spoke to that in a very powerful way. We need to be very careful that we bring love alongside the power God gives us. Love separates us from the world and around us because this is not how the world acts. And yet when we face what's in front of us, we need to do it from this position of power that brings alongside it love. Jesus would say in John 13, 35, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's different. It's different than the world, and it's shocking to the world. So he gives us power, but he brings alongside it love and also self-discipline, a spirit of self-discipline. In other words, we have the, this, uh, we're going to do what needs to be done. What's in front of us, it might not be comfortable, but it is what needs to be done, and God's going to help us. And we know that we don't have to do it on our own. We have God as our helper. And so we can attack it knowing that, that this, God will help us with this, and then if there's something on the other side, what, what we've just been through is going to give us strength to handle that as well. I'll put it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 25 and 27. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should, Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. That's where we are. God is getting us ready. Use the gifts he's given us and keep in practice trusting God and handling things with his power and with love and self-discipline. So back to verse 7, 2 Timothy 1, 7. For the Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And who gave the gifts? They are from God. And if God gave you the tr this gift, you can trust it to be what you need. All of these qualities are gifts from God. And they function best when in, used in harmony with each other. Power tempted by tempered by love and self-discipline. Those are the gifts Paul reminds Timothy that he has and that we have. Then he goes on and gives some instructions for using those gifts using this power, love, and self-discipline. So when we're mistreated because of Jesus, we'll know how to use the power. 2 Timothy 1.8 So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So when we're mistreated because of Jesus, here's how we use the power mistreated for me can also be translated in Kent Risley's translation is uncomfortable when I'm uncomfortable it's definitely something I don't like to be mistreated or uncomfortable and I oftentimes try to avoid it but instead Paul's saying use the power of God use these gifts that he's given because comfort is not our calling that's the question. Is comfort our calling? I mean, <clears throat> given, when given the opportunity to choose, I'll almost always go with comfort. Almost always. It's true about food. They don't call it comfort food for nothing. It's true, what, true for me when choosing a destination for vacation. 
You're not going to find me on vacation climbing a 14,000-foot mountain. How about you? Do you almost always choose comfort? Or do you default to your calling? When you're f faced with a conversation about Jesus with family or friends or co-worker, you take the comfortable route? When you think about how we try and encourage each other to be a part of Discovery Bible Studies, but then it comes to the point of asking someone at work or even a brother or sister in Christ to be a part of a Discovery Bible Study, do you go with the comfortable way out? How about when praying with others? Do you just use the comment, I'll pray for you, or do you take advantage of the moment to be a little uncomfortable and pray with them right then and there? Will you pick the comfortable and safe, or will you use the gift of power given by Jesus and step out and trust in him? Is comfort our calling? No, it's not. Our calling is to be holy. To be holy. God saved us. He saved us so that we could be redeemed and be with him forever in heaven and that we would love him and live for him. God calls us to a holy life. And that holy living means I'm more interested in God's view of a situation than a self-centered view. When I'm living a holy life, I'm expecting to find God involved in every facet of my life. So when I approach those situations, God, where are you and what are you asking me to do and what's the path? And it might not be the most comfortable. Holiness means that I turn and when I ask what am I going to do in this situation, I don't look for self-pleasing answers. I look for an answer that pleases God. Salvation and holiness rely on God. And they're because of his purpose and his grace. And it changes us. 2 Timothy 1.9 He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. It changes us. No more timidity. No more seeking our comfort. We have a calling. We have a purpose. Or as Randy put it about this message... He said, it's difficult to be holy when we're always trying to be happy. <laughs> well said. It's difficult to be holy when we're always trying to be happy. Our calling is to be holy. And Jesus is our example. Here's how that calling played out in the life of Jesus. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9b and through 10. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus did not seek comfort. If he had seek, if comfort was his default, he'd have stayed in heaven. And he definitely would have gone to a cross. But he did leave heaven, and he came. And he lived a holy life. And he destroyed death. And he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And we are now called to be like Jesus in this world. It is okay to look forward to heaven. And to want to go back there. But God calls us to live here now. The comfort 
of heaven is coming. But now we're called to be Jesus in the world. Our calling is to be holy. Continuing in our text, verse 11. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. See, Paul was an example. Paul says this calling is now his calling. And he's going to show boldness that comes from the gospel. He's going to show love and he's going to show self-discipline. He's going to live like Jesus in this world and impact others like Jesus did. And he wants Timothy to do the same thing. And he wants you and I to do the same as well. He was an example for Timothy, and he's also an example for us as well. So we have this choice. Our calling or comfort? Which are we going to pick? So Paul pulled at Timothy's memories. Not so he'd live in the past, but so that he'd be faithful. And then he said, this is why I'm suffering like I am. Verse 12. So he starts by identifying the source of his discomfort and his suffering. He he wants it to be very clear why why he's suffering. It's because he's standing up for the gospel. He's presenting the gospel. He's doing what Jesus wants him to do in this world. And that is the source of his suffering. It's not, God, why are you doing this to me? I know why this is happening, because I'm standing up like Jesus stood up. And he says, this suffering that I'm going through, being a prisoner, being a criminal in this world, is not a point of shame for me. He says, yet it is no cause for shame. Now, I, have, I know what it feels like to do something and be ashamed of it. And Paul knew what it felt like to do something and be ashamed of it. <laughs> he had performed shameful actions in his life. And when I remember some of my shameful actions, and maybe when he does, it brings a blush to my face. face, Because my actions came from wrong behavior. They came from moments of pride and selfishness. But Paul says, that's not where these came from. That's not the source of these. And they don't bring me any shame, because I know the difference. There's no shame in these actions. Why? Because I know whom I have believed. The difference is Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is that difference. He's my example. He's the source of my motivation. He's the source of my power. He's my guide. Because I know whom I have believed. Whom I have believed. Not who I hope will help me out. Who I think might cover for me. I know whom I have believed. He's going to take care of me. And so it brings all the difference. And he goes on and says, I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. There's an old, old hymn. Uh, Younger folks might not have ever heard it, but we used to sing it all the time. A lot of times at funerals. Safe in the arms of Jesus. You remember that, that old hymn, that old song? And we think about that when someone dies. They're safe in the arms of Jesus. And that's true. It's also true when I'm alive. Brothers and sisters, it's true for us right now. And it was true for Paul. He says, I'm in his arms. (laughs) He's able to guard what I've entrusted to him. He's big enough. He's strong enough. He's able. He's present. (laughs) I got this. It might not be comfortable, but I can do this. And not only can I do it today, I can do it until that day. Until that day. Some of us, that day... A little closer than it used to be. 
and what I'd say is don't take it back now <laughs> don't stop now don't quit keep on the path for some of us it seems like the end will never come but I promise you it's fast appro approaching and it might surprise you how soon it'll be here so don't quit now just an interesting thought when you think of those encouraging words Paul wrote those while he was in prison under guard and anybody that would have seen him there would have looked around and seen Paul's guards but what they wouldn't have seen is what Paul saw because he knew who was really guarding him so he might have been in prison but that didn't stop him he knew who was guarding him who was protecting him who was keeping him and that's not a claim to a strong faith but it is a trust in one who is powerful enough that even a person with a weak faith can live it's enough Paul was in prison but he was still a minister of the gospel he had lost all of his possessions but he had not lost his faith he trusted God regardless his security was in Christ and that's where we need to find ours as well and so when you look out and see what's got you trapped and keeping you from going and doing the things you want to do just remember who's really guarding you it's God you can still minister you might lose a lot, but don't lose your faith. Trust in God. Find your security in Christ. And because Paul believed this wholeheartedly, he could say these words in Romans 8, verses 38 through 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So even when life's not comfortable, I can still be safe in the arms of Jesus. Want to leave your mark? One of the questions you've got to answer is calling or comfort. Which is it going to be? And remember who's there for you. Your Father in heaven. Most little children love it when they're their father or their uncle or their mom takes them and puts them in their arms and holds them up and maybe even throws them up and then catches them. Do it again, Daddy. Do it again. What a wonderful thought. They're not a bit afraid because they know the one who threw them up will catch them when they come down. May we learn to love trusting God to be there for us. And you don't have to enjoy the hard times and the difficulties but you can enjoy being caught by the Father who's always there for you because our calling is not to be comfortable it is to be holy and if we follow that calling of being holy there will be times of discomfort it will take us to places that we've never been before and we'll experience things we are unaware of and it's just not comfortable but that's okay because comfort's not our calling it's not our calling we're, we're fixing to sing a song and give you an opportunity to reflect on these thoughts and, and how God's spoken to you tonight. It's also an opportunity for you to respond publicly if you need to. We'd love to pray for you and whatever might be facing you in the days and weeks ahead. 
One of the ways God helps you is with those people that are surrounding you. It might also be that you've been studying the Bible and you're ready to give your life to Christ. Confess his name, be baptized, washing your sins away. And we would rejoice with you. As you reflect on where you are, I hope the words of the song we're about to sing will be meaningful to you. Because when you think of this calling or comfortable, what I hope you end up in is, God, it might not be comfortable, but I will be in your arms. The song's name is Lord Take Control. It says, my heart, my mind, my body, my soul. I give to you, take control. I give my body a living sacrifice. Lord, take control, take control. That's what it's about. Let's stand and sing the song. My